0: welcome to the living room podcast the living room is the college ministry at buckhead church in atlanta georgia for more information you can check out the living room atl on instagram thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy this talk
1: hey everybody how y'all doing come on I'm so excited to be here. For those of you who don't know me, my name is April Christina Farmer. And yes, I love y'all. Man, y'all so awesome. I need to take all y'all home. I love you. Um, so excited to be here tonight, so excited to be a part of this series about living your best life. And But, but for those of you who don't know me, just a little bit about me. I work here at Buckhead Church. I serve as the Care and Baptism Director here. Um, and I also get a chance to kind of serve in our worship department and to do all the things that I love to do, but most of all, I think one of the newest things that I've embarked upon was being a small group leader here at TLR. Where my group at? Where my small group at? Where y'all at? I see you, baby. I see y'all. So I'm excited to be here, excited to know each and every one of you, and excited about this series. We are wrapping up uh, part three, actually, of this series that we've been in called Living My Best Life, which are life lessons that, if applied, will lead you to your best life. And all of us want that, right? No? Right, there we go. All of us want that. So week one, we talked about wisdom as it pertained to your friendships. Friendships. We talked specifically about that inner circle, who you allow into your safe space, who you allow into that secret place where they get to know you intimately, and how important it is that you use wisdom when you pick those people that you allow into that space. And then last week, in week two, we talked about finances, which is a a tough topic for probably every college student in this room, because ain't none of y'all got none. Nobody's got any money. I know I don't, I had no money in college. But it doesn't mean finances is something that we don't need to navigate and to have a better understanding about. So we're so excited about all of you who signed up for our Money Wise program that we have for you and excited to be diving into that with you. And this week, we're gonna be talking about the one thing that will basically guarantee that you will not live your best life. And that is comparison. Yes, I hear y'all, man y'all already know comparison literally guarantees it's almost a guarantee that if you focus in, on a life of comparison that you can never achieve and reach that that best life that best place that God has for you but it's nothing new and we've all dealt with comparison our entire lives for most of us it started in our childhood And it started as what you would maybe call like an ember. You know what an ember is? It's like a small burning coal. It's really, really small, but there's a fire in there. And we start comparing. I believe I started comparing probably in show and tell. Do y'all remember show and tell? Show and tell was fun. I liked show and tell initially. Because our teacher invited you to have the opportunity to bring your favorite toy in. And I would bring my little Raggedy Ann, and yeah, I'm an old lady. I'd bring my little Raggedy Ann, or I would bring my uh, Cabbage Patch doll. I love my Cabbage Patch doll. And I would bring that in, and then somebody else would come in with a much better toy. Or a much better doll that was nicer or neater and had nicer clothes. And I found myself comparing my toys to kids' toys. And then eventually that that ember started to grow into a flame as you approached uh, uh, higher ages in elementary school and middle school, especially as I started getting to or trying to get into competitive sports. I ran track a little bit, but there was this girl named, any track players and track runners in here? Awesome. I did the 400 decently, decently, but there was this girl in my school named Peaches. Actually, her name was Shaquita Fortson, but they called her Peaches, and that girl could fly. And she beat me every single solitary time. And every time I would get on a race and I saw Peaches on the line, I was like, dang, I'm about to lose. Like, I already knew I was going to lose because Peaches was running. She was just the fastest. And I found myself comparing myself to her and some of the other kids at school that I was running against. And that ember turned into this flame. And then as I got older, and as many of you, you get older, and you're this, you have that ember and then that flame, and then you're introduced to this thing called social media. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You're introduced to social media, and social media has essentially turned comparison into a hobby. It's a daily activity for almost everyone. In fact, there's a a, a research, a broadband research, that says that approximately 2.45 hours are spent on average a day by everyone on social media. 2.45 hours a day. And so that's a lot of time when you think about it. And I had this thought when I was looking at that research, I I, I remembered this thing called the the 10,000 hour rule. Anybody know about the 10,000 hour rule? Nobody? (laughs) Well, let me tell somebody about the 10,000 hour rule. So the 10,000 hour rule says that it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert at whatever it is that you wanna become an expert at. So let's plug in this 2.5 hours, 2.45 hours of social media time. So if we take 10,000 hours divided by 2.5 hours a day, and we, get 4,081 days, which equates to 11 years. So therefore, depending on when you started on social media, you either already are or you are well on your way to being an expert at social comparison. You are mastering the ability to compare yourself socially. And now what once was an ember, a small burning coal, or maybe just a flame has become this huge roaring fire, this huge roaring fire that has completely run out of control in your life. It's like a brush fire in California. All of a sudden your life is consumed by comparison. And nothing else in history has perpetuated comparison like social media has. And none of us are exempt from us. None none of us can get away from it. We are all scrolling social media all of the time. All of us are touched by it. But the crazy part is that we don't compare post to post. We don't look at somebody's post and say, man, that's a real nice post. Oh, let me look at my post. Oh, we don't do that. We actually compare other people's posts to our real lives. Come, Come on, somebody. We compare their posts to our real lives. We compare our real lives to everybody else's highlight reels. That's the thing, it's not even their lowest reel, it's their highlight reel. It's the one they took two hours to create. And they posted that. And we spend hours comparing our own personal lives to their reels. And they're not even the same reels. We compare real to real. And who are we comparing ourselves to? Our parents, no, we're not comparing ourselves to them really. You're not comparing yourself to your parents. You know that they're farther along in life, so that's not really worth comparing. You know they're far ahead and, I, you know, they old people. We're not comparing ourselves to them. What about celebrities? Maybe. Not so much. I don't, I don't really think... We compare ourselves really to celebrities. We really realize that that's, that's a whole nother level. And we, we, we probably want what they have and maybe aspire to have what they have one day, but we don't really compare ourselves to them. And research actually tells us that who we compare ourselves to is our social circle, those people closest to us. Your roommate who got the first job they applied for and you're still waiting for a callback. Your brother or sister who seems to have everything work out in their lives perfectly and your parents always sing their praises but you seem to struggle with things that your brother or your sister find simple to go through. Or a guy on your team that the coach always calls to the front and he favors him every game and you're still waiting on your shot to shine. You're still waiting to just show them what you have. Or what about that best friend that has found the love of their lives and all they do is talk about their boo thing and you still waiting to find anything. (laughs) You still waiting. And what's crazy is that you really want to celebrate them, but low-key, you be capping on them all the time. (laughs) All the time. You talk about them when they're not around, and you front every time they're in front of you. They think you're the best friend they have. But real talk, you hating on them all the time. So this is the result of comparison. Truthfully, comparison kills it destroys it leaves everything in its wake if we live a life of comparison it will kill what does it kill it'll kill your character it kills your sense of it, it, it creates this sense of superiority if you're better than them at something it creates arrogance and pride or on the other hand it creates envy and jealousy and bitterness And anger jacks your character up. Not only does it impact and kill your character, it it kills your confidence. All of a sudden, you're just wallowing in self-pity all the time because you don't have what they have. You become insecure and self-loathing like nothing you do works, nothing you do matters. You have no value. And let's be honest, there's always gonna be somebody who's better than you, who's stronger, who's smarter, who who is better looking, who's fine, or they booty bigger than yours. Okay, y'all didn't look at stuff like that? I, I come on, tell the truth, tell, tell the truth. Come on, your beard grew in faster than mine did. <laughs> I two boys I know what that thing is like and I dealt with that myself personally there was actually I, I've always struggled with insecurity about how I look about, I always thought I was an ugly girl always my whole life I always compared myself to to my friends and to the people who were closest to me specifically the girls I went to church with because those were the girls that I saw more often than not and then there was this one girl at, at, at school she was just she was just so pretty And I just looked at myself all the time and compared myself. But one time, I think I was like in eighth or ninth grade, I had saved up some money and I bought this new outfit, and I had those parents that didn't let you wear just anything. Like I couldn't wear that midriff stuff, and my belly couldn't show, and I couldn't wear like the tight pants. Like I couldn't do none of that. Cause my parents just wasn't having it. But I had got this really cute outfit, y'all. It was this nice green shirt with these white and green shorts. And I was so proud of my outfit. And my friends invited me to go to the mall with them. This is what we did when I was younger. We went to the mall together. And so we go down to Regency Mall. We get down to the mall, and we all got on our best fit. And we got our hair nice. And my mama wouldn't let me wear no makeup, but I slid a little gloss on after I left. And we get there and we're walking around and I'm looking at my friends and I'm like, oh my gosh, they just look so much better than I do. But well, we're walking around and then we see this group of guys. And these boys were nice. <laughs> they were nice. Them with some cuties. They really, really were. And so we're walking around and everybody's kind of eyeing each other, like, oh, okay, okay. And this one guy, he was like, hey, hey, Shawnee. Shawnee with the green shirt on. And I was like, Hey, yeah, you shawty with the green shirt on. Come come in. And my friends were like, go, girl. Come on and talk to them. And I'm just like, okay. You know? And I walk over there. I mean, in my heart, it's just beating and pumping so fast. And I was so excited. And in my mind, I'm thinking, wow, he picked me? All of my friends, he
0: picked, oh, my
1: gosh. So I get over there, and he was like, what's up? And I was like, hey. He said, hey, hey let me ask you a question. I was like, okay. I said, what's your friend's name? <laughs> it's a true story, y'all. <gasps> I was mortified. I was like, what? And me, I'm a nice person. My heart is broken. I mean, just broken. And it's all on the ground. And I was like, oh, her name's Melissa. Hey, can you can you tell her come holler at me? I want a number. Yeah, okay. And I walk over there. Worst day of my life. Worst day ever. But it perpetuated. It stirred up that insecurity that once was an ember and now a flame. And it was starting to roar. This comparison thing. This comparison game where I'm constantly comparing. And so comparison kills your character and your your confidence. And it all re- also it kills your contentment. All of a sudden, comparison makes, you vir- makes it virtually impossible to be content or grateful for who you are or what you have. It destroys it because you're never satisfied. Nothing is ever enough. And it also kills your clarity. It destroys your clarity You never see clearly what you do have and what God has actually placed in your hand, what he's placed before you, the life that he's blessed you with. You can't see it because you're constantly comparing yourself to others, and it blinds you from the future, and it muddies the path to your best life. And with all the the deaths by comparison, what are you left with? I'll tell you what you're left with. You're left with unhealthy relationships. These are, There's no relationship that can survive or thrive or be mutually life-giving when comparison is at the center of it. When there's a sense of superiority over the other person or there's anger and bitterness and envy between you. And it also creates dishonest relationships. We already talked about that. You hate them. And they don't know it. And you compare yourself in secret, but when you're in front of them, you can't stand them. And there's something between you, and you really can't figure it out. And that friend's like, hey, are we good? Yeah, we good, we good. So you're dishonest. And there's also dissatisfaction with yourself and with your life, what you have been given. You're so busy comparing, and you waste time and energy in pursuit of trivial things that have no real value for your life. The puzzle that's been put before you, you're so busy watching somebody else trying to put their puzzle together, you ain't taking no time for yours. And they're moving forward. They're making moves. They're doing things with their life, and you're so busy looking like, well, how come I can't move that? You ain't taking the time to look at it. You're not working on it. And if this is what it all boils down to, then what's the point? What's the point of it all? And this is an age-old question. This did not start with you, and it did not start with me, and it did not start with your parents. This is a question that's been asked down through the years. And when we take a look in the history of our Bible, the, the Bible gives us three, actually three specific books that we consider wisdom books. It's Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes. These are awesome books. When you get some time, you should read them. But Ecclesiastes is probably one of the strangest books I've ever read. You really have to kind of know what's coming before you read Ecclesiastes. But just to put it in summary, the the thrust of Ecclesiastes is that all of life is meaningless. That's what the guy says. He says all of life is meaningless. It's useless. It's hollow. It's futile. And it's vain. Unless, unless it is rightly looked at and centered on God. Only when based on God and His Word is life worthwhile at all. This is what He has discovered, and this He is actually King Solomon one of the wisest, if not the wisest man that ever lived, he has come to this conclusion. He's had all the money in the world. He's had all the the relationships in the world, way more than he needed to have. He had all the wealth in the world, and he came to the conclusion that life is meaningless, disconnected from God. So we want to take a look at what Ecclesiastes says. He says in chapter 4, he says, And I saw that all labor and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. He says, this too is meaningless. I love this line. A chasing after the wind. What does that mean? (sighs) Chasing the wind. He's saying that his observation of life is that people's ambition and their striving to be this or that is motivated by jealousy and envy based on their comparing themselves to other people. So, 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 so wait, I, I want that car too, so I guess that means I need to go get another job when I already have to. But I want the car they have. Oh wait, I, I don't like living in this dorm. They get to live in their own apartment by themselves? Let me go take out some more student loans. Let me just max them bad boys out <laughs> so that I can afford to have my own place like they have. It's meaningless. It's chasing after the wind. And he's not saying that life is meaningless. Don't get me wrong. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying that life motivated motivated by the wrong thing is pointless. You are virtually wasting life. It's like smoke and mirrors. That's how I used to tell it to my boys. It's like smoke and mirrors. It's like an illusion. It's like a magic trick. You're literally, it's chasing something that you will never, ever catch. And there's no finish line at all. You'll never be satisfied. You'll never be content. You'll never be happy because you'll never catch the wind. Think about it. It's a vapor. He's saying that comparison is a vapor that you are pursuing that you will never, ever catch. It's a journey of smoke and mirrors. It's a magic trick. And comparison leads to envy, which fuels our pursuit for more and bigger and better and prettier and stronger and smarter and thinner. It leads to all of that. And what do you miss in the process? You miss purpose. Comparison kills purpose. Purpose. You find yourself in one of two spaces when it comes to this. One of two extremes. The first is complacency. Let's look at what he continues to say in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. He says, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. In other words, the pursuit of nothing leads to nothing. So he's not saying don't do anything. It's a fool who folds his hands and just sits there and acts like, It's just supposed to happen. Well, if it's not happening the way I want it to happen, then I'm not doing anything. And the author isn't saying don't work or don't pursue anything. He's addressing the heart and the motivation behind why and what you pursue. And if you're motivated by comparison and by envy, then you're chasing the wind. And it isn't true that oftentimes we find ourselves in this place where, well, hey, if, if, if it's not going to work out the way I want it, or if it doesn't come to me fast enough, then we just give up. We fold our hands. It's like, well, I ain't going to try no more. I done tried. I'm done. That's a fool. A fool sits there and folds his hands and acts like it's just supposed to happen. But we can't do that. You can't can't sit back and just fold your hands. And this person, or you compare yourself to this person, or you compare, compare yourself to that person. And comparison leads you to a place where you become convinced that you, and you, and you have absolutely nothing to offer. Or what you have in your hand is not good enough. And that's crazy. Why would you think that? But many of us do. We're so busy comparing that we can't see that what God has already given us, the box, the puzzle that he's given us, is a beautiful creation. But we can't see that. So we just stop working on it. And it sits there. And it sits there. And it sits there. He goes on to say this. He says, Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with labor and chasing after the wind. And what he's saying is, is it's not better to take the gifts and talents and your abilities and your purpose that God has given you and use them to, eat, to, to earn or to achieve what you need. He's saying it's better to do that. Focus on pursuing what you need other than or rather than living a life stressed out in pursuit of trying to get all you can and can and all you get and sitting on the can. I need everything that I need. And you live this life that is unfulfilled, trying to keep up with the proverbial Joneses. Y'all ever heard of that, keeping up with the Joneses? I'm old. Oh. Y'all ever heard of that? Oh, good. Y'all got to speak up. But you're trying to keep up with these imaginary people. And you look at your handful and you say, I'm not satisfied with this. I'm not content. I'm not happy. God, what you gave me is not good enough. This is what you've given me, and it isn't good enough. I need more than this. It's not what they have. I want what they have. It's not what they've been given. I'm not, I, I, I want more than this. I'm not gonna do anything. I know you gave me this in my hand. I know you gave me this talent. I know you gave me this gift, but it's not gonna make enough money. I know you gave me a heart to love doing this one thing, but they don't pay enough in that career. I'm gonna change my major. God, I know you've gifted me and you've given me talent when it comes to being an instrumentalist. And I love it, but they don't pay musicians. What kind of job am I going to get? Or God, I know you've put in my hand this ability to teach. But teachers don't get paid enough. I need to make more money. Or you told me that I should start a daycare. But that's a different kind of work. I'm not satisfied with what you've put in my hand. So you find yourself either complacent and not doing anything or the other extreme, which is compromise. You compromise everything. It goes on to say this. It says, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his labor. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I laboring? He asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This, too, is meaningless, a miserable business. And although you have now met and surpassed the Joneses, what did it cost you? You don't enjoy life. You go to school and you take all the classes and you have no social life because you're in pursuit of being the best. I have to have the 4.0. I have to get this particular scholarship. I have to get into this particular graduate school. And you're striving and you're pushing and you're comparing yourselves to all these other people. And you live no life. This season of life that you all are in is priceless. Y'all just don't know it yet. It's priceless. And you've been given this, this, this space and this time to cultivate and and pursue purpose, this God-given purpose that you have. But you compromise joy for the pursuit of being the Joneses. I got to live like that. And so what did it cost you? It cost you relationships. It cost you, some of you, your integrity. It cost you trust. In your relationships, it costs you joy and true fulfillment, all because you compare yourself to others instead of focusing on pursuing and fulfilling your purpose. So, we've all been here, and you're sitting there now and you're like, okay, April, I hear you. I do. But how do I guard myself against comparison? If it's a thing that everybody does, how do I guard myself against it? Because it is a reality. We all live it. I don't care how old you are. I've been fighting comparison all week. We all deal with it. So how do I guard myself against it? First of all, appreciate you. Value who you are. Express gratitude for who you are and who God made you. You are one of a kind. There is nobody who can beat you at being you. Absolutely no one. There will never be another you. So think about that. If you don't fulfill and appreciate who you are, who's going to do what you're supposed to do? Who's going to do it? And if you want to compare yourself To anyone, compare yourself to you. Pursue being the best you that you can possibly be. Matt and I were talking about this earlier. I've been a singer my whole life, and uh, I've always compared myself to other singers, and it's been hard. And I never, like, you ever listen to yourself on a recording and you hear your voice and you'd be like, ugh, I don't, Ooh, I don't like that. (laughs) But you, you, you compare yourself. But I remember many years ago, back in 2012, somebody asked me, they were like, hey, do you have an album? I was like, no, I can't do that. Why not? And they provided all the funds to pay for an entire album. And it was one of the hardest things I ever did. Why? Because I had to learn how to appreciate me. I had to learn how to appreciate the voice God gave me and not worry about how many albums I might sell or how many people might appreciate it. I had to go through the work of just doing it and learning to value the gift that God gave me. So learn to appreciate you. And then secondly, applaud others. Those people you capping on, those people you low-key hate, be intentional about celebrating them when they win celebrate them when they achieve something that you haven't quite yet gotten to you celebrate them when my friends I don't have a house I've been renting for a long time but I want a house and when my friends posted they just bought a new house I'd be like thank you Jesus for my friend
0: I want me a house
1: <laughs> but thank you Jesus for my friend I'm so happy for them can I help you unpack your stuff can I clean your bathrooms when you move in? I intentionally do those things. Why? Because I, I, I want to pray for their success, but it also brings me humility and it purifies my heart and strips me from this comparison thing. So appreciate you, applaud others, and lastly, amplify purpose. Not my ambition, and it's great to be ambitious, but what are you ambitious about? Amplify and increase the size and the magnitude of purpose in your life. Fulfilling your God-given purpose should be your top priority. And pursue it relentlessly, not based on comparing yourselves to other people, but, but on the things that God has placed in your hand. Purpose unfolds as we keep our eyes away from comparison and fix on the one who gave us life and purpose. Proverbs 19:21 says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that will prevail. So if God's plan will ultimately prevail, don't let comparison keep you from living out his plan for your life, which is the best life possible. I want to share this song with you guys. It's one of my... It's a song I like to sing when I struggle with comparison, when I struggle with whether or not I'm good enough, and it reminds me that comparison kills. And I remember when I heard this song, it just so moved me, and it was so simple, but it was so profound, and I I figured, I said, well, let me share this since I'm talking about comparison today. So now I get to hear myself and be okay with how I sound but appreciating the gift that God gave me and hopefully blessing you, not by my voice, not by who I am, but the fact that God has a purpose for you and he doesn't want that purpose destroyed because you're comparing yourself constantly.
0: So the song says this. Speak for my world. Almost everyone has what they need. Other nations live with sickness. But over here we die from jealousy. Cause it makes you chase what's not meant. But you don't know the picture story And how long it took to make it good It makes you consider shoes you don't like successful and get mad when God's not in a rush. You waste your time just making copies. You'll see you did not accomplish much. See, pressure gets high. hope you enjoyed the message. If you want to stay connected, follow us on Instagram at the living room ATL. Remember TLR fam, we love you. We're for you. And we'll see you next time.